listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. Hi, my name's Tom. I'm the campus pastor at TVC Middleville. Hope your day's going swell. I honestly have no idea what day of the week it is. Uh, if you're from outside Michigan, then we've had this thing called a stay-home executive order uh, for like the last 900 days, it seems like. Basically, that just means you can't go nowhere. Um, and the governor just extended it for another 1,000 or so. All that means is I have no idea where I am or when I am. I have no idea who's on first or what's on second because, quite frankly, there's no baseball to judge the changing of the seasons. No, that's right. There was no spring training. There was no opening day rituals. There's no sports of any kind. Um, honestly, it's kind of hard to judge anything. Uh, there should have been a March Madness in there somewhere, letting me know college basketball was done. But no, instead that just got replaced with madness. Um, there should be other sports going on. Maybe, I think all I saw was NFL had a draft. So some college players came out, they got drafted by some pro teams, and they may or may not play in stadiums that may or may not have any people in it. It's kind of weird. Everything's wacky nowadays, including the weather. I can't really tell what season it is because first it snows on you and then it rains and then it gets all bright and sunny. So you go out for a bike ride and then it snows on you again while you're biking. Ha <laughs> ha, joke's on you. I can't even use my kid's academic calendar of school, you know, remember school? Because all of that got thrown out the window a long time ago. First, they sent everybody home, no more school. Oh, but now there is school virtually which for parents kind of means painfully. I'm sorry, if I was unable to help you with your math homework beforehand, I certainly can't help you with it now. So a lot is up in the air. A lot of question marks hang over us. And that's why I figured what we do is together, we do a little exercise that would help us during this talk and afterwards. So what I need you to do is go ahead wherever you are, uh, go find a piece of paper, any kind of paper, and um, something to write with. Seriously, it's a take a time out, walk away from whatever you're watching this on, go get a piece of scratch paper, post-it note, whatever, and something to write with. Um, I'll wait. It's okay. Here, um, I'm going to go ahead and take this piece of scratch paper. It's kind of big, so um, I was going to make a joke about paper, but it's terrible. Did you get it? And what we're going to do, now that you have the paper and something to write with, I want you to go ahead and just draw a big old question mark on the paper. That's not bad for me, um, but my wife who was thinking ahead said, well, sometimes your handwriting sucks, so just go ahead and have a nice one done up so that people can see it and I don't have to be embarrassed. Doesn't she love me? She's got my back. So all this is going to represent for us during this talk is that this pandemic has us questioning a lot of things. And not just the silly stuff that, that we can make fun of, like sports or school or the weather, but some serious stuff, stuff that really does affect us in major league ways. Uh, maybe it's your job. Maybe you're wondering, will I have a job next week, next month? Uh, maybe you've already lost your job and you're wondering, can I get unemployment? M maybe you got denied unemployment and you're wondering, how, how, how quickly can I reapply? Or maybe you've waited online or for hours on the phone and you were disconnected and you never really got a chance to even finish the application and you have to start again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. 
Maybe it's your wedding plans that got totally tossed out the window because maybe people aren't going to be able to gather and celebrate with you. Maybe it's that semester abroad that you thought you had everything lined up, all the funding, you were going to get to go study in France or in Australia, and that just ain't going to happen. There's lots of things, lots of things that are hanging in the air, lots of question marks hanging over our head because we just don't know. We don't know the answer. And anybody who tells you that they know the answer, uh, they're trying to make themselves a little bit smarter than they really are. Maybe they're grasping at straws because none of us really knows. We can make educated guesses, true, but none of us knows when your job will come back. None of us knows when the stock market will recover and your retirement fund will build back up to where you can retire. Nobody knows when you can have that wedding and the people can gather and celebrate. Nobody knows how your school is going to go next semester, next year. Nobody knows. It's, it's not like it won't happen. It's not like it's... It's never going to happen. We just don't know. And so it's in times like these, when our whole world seems topsy-turvy, that we got to wonder, is everything that way? Well, the world is, but God isn't. God has never changed through all this. He's still in charge. He's still the king. He's still God. He's never left you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He promises that in his word. Now, it's easy for us to forget that. Believe me, I understand. It's easy for us to forget that God's still there and he's still in control because when bad things happen, especially things that alter our world and a lot is rocking our boats right nowadays, well, it's easy to focus on that instead. But why is that? Why is that? If you are a Christ follower, if you believe in God, you should at least have some kind of bedrock understanding that all's gonna be okay, right? I don't know. A lot of it has to do with our perspective, our perspective on the world, how we view the world. But a lot of that comes from how we view ourselves on the inside. Things like, you know, our self-worth, how much we think of ourselves, how highly we we value ourselves. And that starts at an early age. That's something that always changes. Really, you can be affected by that even as an adult. It comes from anything from the the situation you were born into. Maybe it's culture, ethnicity. Maybe it was whether your family was rich or poor. Maybe it's the color of your skin. And people try to tell you, like, who you should be and whether you have any value or not. You don't have to pay any attention to that. But regardless, it does influence how you view yourself. Maybe it was um, your sense of where you are in your family. Um, Anybody got siblings out there, older, younger, brothers or sisters? That influences how you view yourself. Maybe you're the youngest. Maybe you're the oldest. Maybe you always wanted to be like your brother or sister or like your mom or your dad. Even if you had a perfectly good family, you know, functioning family, everybody loved each other, it still influences how you view yourself today. Things like maybe getting good grades in school. I know that was one of the big things in our families. Everybody needs to focus on getting good grades. And if you didn't, you kind of felt bad about yourself. Nobody made you feel bad. You just kind of felt like, oh, I missed the boat on that one. Maybe it's things like going to church. Uh, It depends on how you were raised up and how you view church nowadays. Because church can be kind of one of those things that can make you feel bad about yourself or good about yourself. It depends, doesn't it? For me growing up, it was, I think, just showing up kind of made you a better class citizen. Nobody ever said that. But merely by going to church, you had a sense that you were better off than people who didn't go to church. And I I didn't understand that as a kid, and I don't know why that kind of was perceived that way, but I know that affected my view of myself. All of those kind of roll into 
how you view yourself nowadays. There's a bazillion different influences on why and how you perceive yourself. But a big one nowadays that affects all of us, well, let's say most of us, most of the people listening to this, is social media. It's, it's not like it's good or bad. I'm not going to bash social media. But it's everywhere. It's all present. And uh, for one way or another, whether it's keeping up on photos of the grandkids or it's connecting with your peers, social media is something that automatically influences how you view yourself and your sense of self-worth. Again, it can be used for good, uh, to build people up, positive things. And it can be used in narcissistic and hurtful ways. Social media is just a tool. It's just a platform. It's a relational tool that allows us to connect with each other. But a lot of people nowadays view it as a way to try to build up their self-esteem or get money or power or whatever. As long as you get likes or shares or subscribers, it really doesn't matter what you post, as long as it's popular, right? Now, this affects everybody, but man, especially students. Holy cow, students, I am so sorry. So sorry. You had built-in community. You had peers. You had ways to relate to uh, other kids in the hallway, in the classroom. Or maybe it was outside of that. Maybe it was um, in sports, whether in school or out of school. Maybe it was choir or it was band. Maybe it was something like gymnastics or dancing. You had your, your tribe, your peeps, and a way to get together with them regularly. And that all went away during this whole pandemic lockdown. Now, one of the only ways you can try to stay in contact is through social media. And man, is that a poor substitute. So this, there's this inherent tendency to want to lean on social media to replace what you've lost. And social media will automatically encourage you, unfortunately, to be somebody that you're not. Uh, it's, not like, it's not like that's posted there as advertising or promotions. You know, like, hey, come to Facebook and be somebody you aren't. But it's inherently built into the social media platform. Regardless of which one you use, there's this urge, there's this encouragement to become someone, what, better? Whether it's to look better, sound better, it just makes you want to seem better than you are. Now, Craig Rochelle, he's a pastor and an author. He, he wrote a book about this kind of, this tendency to want, want to become somebody better than you are. He called his book um, Alter Ego. And, and when you think of Alter Ego, you might think of, uh, you know, like Clark Kent and Superman, or more likely um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's, it's somebody that you're not. It's, it's another persona that you wear some of the time. And what he says is, we all have this tendency to want to become better than who God made us to be this false self, this fake identity. But it's not really us, so it, it doesn't fit us very well. It's hard to maintain because it ain't you. And so he called it alter ego because he's using it in the sense of building an altar and making a sacrifice to God. And what he's saying is you can, if you want to, take that false self and essentially put it on the altar. Say, God, you take this. I don't want this anymore. I want to be who you made me to be. And he uses that analogy because um, it's in the Bible. We can read about that in the New Testament. There was this guy named Paul, went around planting churches, and um, he says this in the letter that he wrote to the church in Rome. He says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is part of your spiritual worship. So, like, maybe as you go about your week, you can try this. You can say, okay, God, uh, 
I'm not sure who you want me to be, but I know like I'm tired of trying to be somebody else. So I'm going to put that up on the altar. You take it. Help me to find the real me that you want me to be. And you live that out. Not what other people say I should be, but who you say I should be. Because he says that's the danger. It's focusing on what other people say you should be. It's not to say you should never care what other people think about you. But when you focus exclusively on what they have to say, you miss out on what God has to say. And here's the way he phrases that. He says in his book, the quickest way to forget about what God thinks of us is to focus on what others think of us. So the danger is, by focusing on what others have to say about us, they can only know us in part. They might even know you really, really well. Uh, I've been married 32 years. My wife knows me really, really well. But God knows me better. He knew me before I ever met her. He knows the deepest, darkest secrets in my heart that really should never see the light of day. But he knows. He knows me way better. So he knows who I am and who I should grow into being. Here's how King David wrote about it in the Old Testament. He said, You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. So, basically, God knows you better than you think. God sees more than you think he sees. He's given you more than you think. He's equipped you more than you think. And you already have everything you need to become the person God created you to be. And that's worth repeating. You already have everything you need to become the person that God created you to be. So that begs the question, who did God create you to be? Well, first of all, we know that you are a masterpiece. Yes, that's right. You are a masterpiece. As Paul wrote in his letter to the church at Ephesus, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Yes, you are a masterpiece. I love that word because in the original Greek, it can be translated as masterpiece or workmanship or handiwork. Basically, God spent a lot of time crafting you exactly as he wanted you to be. And God don't make no junk. I would love to see that on a t-shirt. Seriously, God don't make no junk. If you want to put that on a t-shirt, I won't even charge you any royalties or licensing fees or anything. Just send me one, all right? Send me one of those. Uh, Now, King David said it this way, more words, harder to put on a t-shirt, but he said it kind of pretty. Here it is. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So you are God's handiwork, fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in the image of God. We, we learn that in the Bible in the first book, Genesis, in the very first chapter. Chapter 1, he says that we are made in his image. That's why he values you so highly. That's why Jesus was willing to die for you on the cross. Some people get all like freaked out about that and they say, no, I'm not good enough for God. Um, I've done too many bad things. I'm just a bad person. Jesus didn't die for me. No, 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 no. It ain't about you and what you did. It's about him and how he sees you of infinite value and the lengths he would go to to set you free. He's already paid the price. He wants to set you free. So that's how much you are worth. He says you are worth it. Now, there's somebody here at our church 
that um, I heard about a long time ago that they had this program for middle school girls, high school girls. They started at another church. And um, I said, I'd love to talk with you about it because basically you are trying to help them understand just how God sees them. So here's um, Reagan Ross explaining in her words this program she started, this ministry called So Worth Loving. Let's take a look. Hey guys, my name is Reagan, and I just wanted to tell you a little bit about a ministry that I started up. And I was talking with Tom about what he was teaching on, and he really wanted me to share a little bit of my story in a ministry that I started. So I'm super honored to be able to do that. Um, let me just tell you a little bit about that ministry. It's called So Worth Loving, and I originally designed it for middle school and high school girls because I just saw a huge need in our world um, for girls to know where their worth should be coming from. I think we often get our worth confused in um, social media or in men. We look for worth in other people. And so something that I became passionate about was just reminding women that our worth should be found in Christ and that that truly, truly matters. Stuff like this, like your worth um, in Christ and struggles with your self-confidence and things like that like that that's not just wiped away but it definitely can be worked on and improved with the help of the Lord because I think it's becoming increasingly rare that people know that they are worthy and that they are chosen and loved by God and we see um, just the rate of, of teen suicides and um, things like young girls who are involved in incredibly unhealthy relationships are just becoming um, more prevalent and so I think by us really knowing first what our worth is in the Lord um, and just grasping that concept and then taking that to the youth and to our peers, um, to adults our ages, will just really help make an impact. So as you can see, Reagan is a great example of this. Uh, but you might be thinking, I don't know, she seems pretty motivated. She put a lot of work into this. Um, do I have to work that hard? Well, yes and no. Reagan had a drive to do this because she knew she struggled with this when she was that age. But basically, Pastor Jeff has been telling us all from the beginning of this series called Freedom Road that you are going to have to work at this. It, it doesn't come easy. You are going to have to put some effort into this. And he said... This whole concept of a road to freedom, it's not just so much the path to escape from something, but you are escaping to something, something better. And in this case, it's a better perspective on you. So yeah, you're going to have to put some effort into it. It will be a little bit of work, but it's worth it. We've been using um, Romans 8.28 as kind of a key verse during this entire series. And, and that says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Now, if you look at the first half of that verse, and if you're looking in um, the NIV version of the Bible, it's kind of interesting. There's a, there's a little footnote for more information. If you're looking uh, on a printed page, it's going to be down at the bottom of the page. If you're looking online, there'll be like a, a little footnote um, indicator, and you click on that, and you go to another page that explains this. The original Greek can be um, interpreted a couple different ways. It doesn't change the meaning much, but I love how the NIV pulls this out and says, hey, it could be this. And it goes like this. In all things, God works together with those who love him to bring about what is good. 
Now, the, the reason I love that little footnote is all it does is reorder the words, but it puts a little bit more emphasis on our part, doesn't it? <laughs> we, we have to participate in this. We want to work together with God so that we can bring about the good in all things. All things, friends, even the things happening nowadays. All things. We can work together with God to bring about the good. Now, thankfully, you don't have to do this alone. Not only do you get to work with God, but you can do this with others. Uh, especially if you're in a life group at TVC. Holy cow, you have other people that not only can you work on your sense of identity in a group of others, other similar messed up people, <laughs> screwed up people that love to come to TVC and try to connect with God and each other, but you can help them. You, you will grow yourself and you can help them grow. And there's, there's new life groups starting up all the time. During this pandemic lockdown, we've said, how about some virtual life groups so that people can connect even if they can't get out of their house, even if they can't go to the next town, but there's other groups of interest to them. So we're starting those for you so that you can connect with others, so that you can work this out, this road to freedom with God and with others. And all of our other life groups that have been kind of like on temporary hiatus during this lockdown, they're going to be able to begin starting meeting again soon when those restrictions are lifted. So stay tuned. Go to the TVC webpage, tvcweb.com, and take a look. There's probably something for you that will help you as you walk down this road to freedom. Because regardless of who you are, God's not finished with you yet. The, the way Craig Rochelle says it is, you are not yet who you will be. You are not yet who you will be. It's almost like he's channeling his inner Yoda there. His little Yoda speak is awesome. And yet, um, long before Yoda graced the screen, long before Craig wrote his book, there was this Old Testament prophet named Jeremiah. And he said it this way. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Yes, that's right. Hope and a future. Plans to prosper you, even now. That's what God promises, and his promises are worth standing on. The more you realize your identity, your real identity as a child of the king, the king, the more you're willing to trust him with your current circumstances and your future. No matter how questiony that might be, no matter what hangs over your head, he's worth trusting your future with. So if you don't have a relationship with God, today would be an awesome time to start uh, basically, you can lean into him for your future needs and he can help you with a sense of peace that you might be lacking right now because he's in the business of providing peace to those who want to work with him. He's going to bring out the good in all things. So it's as simple as you surrendering yourself, maybe making that sacrifice of your identity to him today and saying, okay, God, you take who I was. I want to become who you say I should be. Now, if you already have a relationship with God, or you don't, one of the things I want you to do is right now, regardless of where you're at on the spectrum, maybe you're just like passing through this online service and you just happen to touch on this point in the service. One of the things I want you to do is consider answering these two questions before you, before you move on. It basically has everything to do with our question mark. And you can maybe even write these down on your little piece of paper. What I want you to go ahead and before you even leave the room, talk with your family, talk with whoever's there, talk with yourself, talk with your life group about these two things. Who do I allow to influence my view of myself? And how am I going to let God define my identity? Now, the first question, 
Who do I allow to influence my view of myself? It's really just to help you gain an awareness. Who right now is speaking into your life and trying to tell you who you are? It doesn't mean it's good or bad. Just go ahead and list out who is doing that to you, for you, with you today. Then the second question is, how can you move towards this identity that, that God gives you, that who you really are? And that's, maybe it's going to be, I want to read my Bible more. I want to get to know God. Maybe it's, I want to talk with him more in prayer. I want to listen. Maybe it's, I'm going to sit down and journal a little bit each day about who you're telling me I really am. Regardless, I would say, go ahead and take that piece of paper, stick it someplace, with or without the questions, put it someplace where you'll be able to see it. Maybe stick it on the fridge, um, put it on your bathroom mirror. Um, If you're driving out and about, um, if you still use your car nowadays, go ahead and stick it on the dashboard or somewhere where you can see it so that every day you see this, you can say, hey, who, who am I? Who did God create me to be? And who am I allowing to influence who I say I am? That's your homework for this week. It's pretty easy, but put that someplace where you'll be able to find it. Right now, we're going to give you an opportunity to go ahead and lean into God and accept his great love for you. We're going to sing a couple of songs. And um, if you don't want to sing along, I understand. Sometimes people are a little self-conscious about that at home. But regardless, these songs are for you because they talk about a God who loves you so much he would send his only son to pay the price for you so you could be free. And as you begin to think about walking down that freedom road toward something better, Remember, you don't have to do it alone. God loves you so much, he can be with you every step of the way, every step of the way, if you'll let him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for providing a way for us to connect with you and to find that identity you created us to be. We really want that rather than who we've made ourselves out to be. So through your love, continue to help us as we walk forward down this road of freedom you provide for us, Jesus. You paid the price. Thank you for setting us free. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.